Hey guys, welcome back to the Between Takes podcast. Today, our guest is our dear friend, Greg Sulkin. Greg is a very talented actor who has worked on shows such as Wizards of Waverly Place, MTV's Faking It, and Marvel's Runaways. So we are lucky to have him on and we can't wait to dive into his story. We are. And be sure to like and subscribe in the Himalaya app or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for coming on, Bob. What's happening? You guys good? Great. How are you? Good, mate. I'm good. I mean, you don't need to ask me. I see you every day, 25 hours a day. Cam, I've spoken to you 16 times already this morning. So, <laughs> you know, you need, you know, you need to get you need to get on these uh, these 6 a.m. sort of morning catch ups. <laughs> Do I? You know, but you heart, heart's probably up before me and you every single day. Are, oh, yeah, these, are you guys doing? Is it is it video or is it is it just text? Well, it's a bit of both. Whatever you can join in on the text, Art. join in on the video. Dude, the other day. <laughs> There was, I'm sure you heard about this. There was like an earthquake in LA and like at like 4.30 in the morning and it woke a lot of people up and it was like, it was a scary earthquake. And I woke up and I was with Lauren and I like checked my phone and I'm like, who the hell is calling me at 4.30 in the morning? I was like, are my, is my parents like checking in? And I look over and it's just Greg just calling me, <laughs> like checking in to make sure I was good. And I was like, that's, that's a good friend. The next time there's an earthquake heart, I'm calling you too. You can join in on the Facebook. Yeah, you, you just knew I, you knew I was out of town. So it's, yeah. that's, I get it. It's fine. <laughs> the instinct was to call you, but it was just one of those <laughs> things that, you know. <laughs> we'll work on it. Maybe maybe with these 6 a.m. catch-ups, you'll think more to immediately okay. check on me. I think so, we got to start a group text. Before we get into the heart, can you just explain where the inspiration came from you, like turning into a caveman and sort of like... <laughs> going on this spiritual yeah. journey. Yeah, so um, from Riverdale, Cole and, and Rob both have uh, tents on top of their Jeeps. And they were talking about how much I needed that and how wonderful it is to just be able to go out in the middle of nowhere and pop up your tent. And so I had it installed. And I've just been, I left Los Angeles about a month ago and I've just been driving around. I've been in six or seven different states and I've just been planting in different national parks and it's been really nice. So do you and Cole line your vehicles up next to each other? Like you guys get into the- <laughs> We actually, we haven't gone together yet, but I've just, I got it installed and just took off on my own. All right. Well, but, but maybe, maybe when we get back, you can get one on yours and we can go to do a little trip. I think Cam, this is a this could be a cool little trip. Hart, you're welcome to come on the channel, uh, the YouTube channel. Cam, yeah. and I, Cam and I can go camping. We'll bring our own tent. You, you and Cole can have your. Wait, uh, why do we need to bring our own? <laughs> why don't we all just go in in Hart's tent, and that'll that'll be even better. How big is it? It's like a queen size mattress, like memory foam mattress. It's amazing. Honestly, Hart, as much as I love you, I think I prefer my own tent. <laughs> I've got some extra ones. Okay. I got some really nice tents if you guys want to use some. All right, I'm done. That'd be good. <laughs> hey Greg, doesn't Hart's hair doesn't it make you like doesn't it remind you of when we first met him? Do you remember when we were at the music festival? For sure. And his I mean, hair was long and he had the bandana on and like rock star heart. Yeah, I mean you look like I mean you look like David Beckham in a, in when David Beckham's hair was like <laughs> you know, great. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that part of also the sort of, with the tent experience, is it sort of like a no washing, I'm just going to let it 
Gross. Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've washed my hair since Los Angeles, which was a month ago. Lovely. I just pretend that's you know completely yeah. normal. Just, <laughs> just just river water and dirt. Wow, you really turned into a caveman. <laughs> I wish I could do that, dude. I wish I could. I could do that. I think I've shampooed my hair about well, yeah, every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm so wait, you back. So when are you? So when are you back? Like, what's what's the situation? Uh, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna drive back on Sunday. I think like two days. Okay. I'm gonna go north. I'm gonna go through like Colorado and Utah. And By yourself? When I got here. Hmm? By yourself? Yeah, I came. I went out. I came out here by myself, and I'll probably head back by myself. Wow, you didn't find one friend along the way. <laughs> I haven't talked to a single human. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I needed to grow, Greg. Oh, that, I needed to be, that's be, I needed to be better. Mm. I guess the podcast keeps you uh, keeps your human interaction at least a little bit alive. Yeah, yeah. It's very weird. It's very jarring. It'll take me a second to warm up to speaking to another human. Well, Cam and I, uh, we went fishing the other day. We went fishing the other day, and we caught nothing. But on the way back, we stopped off at. Uh, this what cam? Where were we? We were like seven thousand feet up on Big Bear Mountain. Oh right, right. I saw you sent me pictures of this. Yeah. I saw this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. stunning. So I'm definitely down, Cam. I feel like we're down to do that, right? Like on any road trip, any sort of journey, we're down. I mean, could yeah. there be a more ideal road trip for me than with you two? I mean, that's the dream. That is the dream. I think. It seems like Hart has it covered with regards to... Can you start a fire, Hart? <laughs> yeah, easily. <laughs> Cam? We no. can. <laughs> but we're good. We're good. <laughs> can, you, can you... How do you eat? Like, like there's no post... I have... So I've got, I've got a generator in the back of my Jeep, and I've got these... Um, well, I mean, there's two ways. I've got a generator in the back that I can plug, like, a stove top into, and then I can boil water and pour the water and stuff and cook that way. Or I've got I can start a fire and lay a grill top on top of that and do something like over a little fire pit. It's like a portable thing. Or I've also got a uh, like a little propane tank with like a it's got this like little metal prongs that hold a pot on top of it, and you just light that and start that, and then propane cooks the water. Greg, can do you mind repeating that? Basically, <laughs> you get the water. And you, mate, I have no idea. But it sounds like you've got it covered. And Cam and I, that's what we're about. Just making sure that the team is covered. Yeah, the t everybody's got to pull their own weight. I'll co I'll cover that area. I'm oh, happy to drive. Let me just drive. And I'll Cam can drive, and I'll I'll, I'll pay for the gas. How's that? <laughs> Great. I'm solid. Sold. I want to I want to talk about how you got into acting. It's definitely been a journey. Honestly, for sure, like I, I was, I never wanted to be an actor, ever, ever, ever. In fact, I had never had an interest in actors. I never had an interest in film. Um, I always wanted to be a football player, like soccer player. And then when I was eight, I, my drama teacher in school, I guess I wasn't very good. And she, you know, she was like putting, uh, putting people in different roles. And so we had a school play. And so she put me, uh, well, I guess maybe I'm not sure if she thought I was good or thought I was bad, but she 
gave me the role of this girl called called Debbie, right? And so it was in front of all the parents. There was like, I don't know, 50 people, 75 people, but I had to sing in it too. And that was before my voice broke so I could actually like sing. And I remember doing a school play and thinking, wow, this is actually like really fun. So I did a school play. I put socks down my top, wore blonde wig. I was like eight years old, had so much fun, honestly, just being on stage and have, just being free with it. And my mom said to me after, she was like, honestly, like, I'm not just saying this, but like, you could actually do it. Like you actually pulled it off. So I didn't think anything of it. I just remember having like a fun time just performing. And then when I was 12, I was seeing, I was like, you know, like when you're 12 years old, I had like a girl crush and I was meant to go over to this girl, the girl's house. It was on a Sunday. And the day before my mom and dad saw a news newspaper article that had like an, uh, that had like an open casting call. And I didn't even know what casting call was, to be honest. I, my mom was like, look, if you go, I will never, if you, if you go to the audition, I will never make you do anything again. I'll never ask you to do anything again. I just want you to go. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, great. Sounds like an ideal thing for a 12 year old. And so I went and then they, I walked in, it was the casting director of Harry Potter at the time. And she was like, you've never done this before, have you? And I was like, honestly, no. Like my dad told me to come to the auction. And she's like, no, it's not an auction. It's an audition. I had no idea what I was doing. I remember holding the, the, I, the now we call them sides. Now I call them sides because I'm in the industry, but I just was holding pieces of paper with the lines on them. And I guess I was, I guess I would, had no idea what I was doing to where I was actually good. If that makes sense. Like I was just saying them very naturally. And so there's a beeping. And, um, Anyway, cut a long story short, they kept inviting me back, inviting me back, inviting me back. And then I ended up getting the lead role. And the movie was a movie called 66, which uh, Helena Bonham Carter played my mom, who was a huge actress and is still a huge actress. Eddie Marsden, who uh, was from Ray Donovan, he played my dad. And so I was on this set. It was Tim Bevan. Uh, it was a working title production, Universal. Like I was this 12-year-old kid who'd never wanted to be an actor. And suddenly I was on this set with like some of the best actors that the industry has to offer. And so it was just an unbelievable experience. I missed school and I was like, oh cool, like now I'm on board with this. Like let's let's keep going here because I didn't like school. And then thankfully I just continued to work and I just over time like gradually really fell in love with the industry. I love the aspect of like teamwork, collaboration, filmmaking is like literally a magical feeling. And now to this day, years, years, years later, when I'm on set, I feel like I'm actually at home if that makes sense. Like it's a special, I feel like I, I don't know, the universe like brought me to be an actor and that makes sense to me. And then obviously when I moved to LA, I was, I was, then I moved to LA when I was 17 and then that was a whole different journey. But I started, I mean, that was a long winded answer. Sorry, but it was, uh, it was when I was 12, uh, that I actually entered the industry. And I would say when I was 17, I was like madly in love with the industry and knew exactly that's what I wanted to do. What did you, um, what, what made you want to move to LA? Was it a job or did it, was it a pursuit of job? No, it was, well, it was a mixture of a couple of things. So I, when I was 16, I think I was on holiday here. And you know, when you do those like touristy things, like you go around on the universal, uh, back lot, like all of that. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like so cool. I've never seen anything like it. Like I worked in England, but I never worked in these like huge American sound stages. Right. 
I was obsessed and I said to my mom, I was like, I'll do anything to go and work in like one of those sound stages. That sounds like so cool. And then I had worked for the Disney Channel in the UK uh, when I was like 14, 15. And then I had a relationship with uh, Disney Channel in the UK, which then allowed the relationship to be blossom, I guess, or begin in the US. And Judy Taylor, who has found like Miley and Selena and Demi and everybody who's come through the Disney Channel doors, um, she believed in me and, and basically brought me to the set of Wizards of Waverly Place just to sort of experience it. And that was like incredibly cool just to be on set and see how I'd never seen a multicam sitcom work. I'd never seen the set of a multicam sitcom. So I just loved it. And then they basically kind of wrote the role for me in Wizards I guess because they liked me. I don't really know, but I still had to audition. I still had to like screen test with Selena. So it was a mixture of, I went, like I went, I was here on holiday, but also in the pursuit of getting, of hoping to get a job. And then I auditioned and then I didn't hear anything. So I had no choice but to go back because you can only stay in America without a visa for so long. And so I had to go back. And then they called me when I was back in England and they were like, oh, actually we need you to come back. And then <laughs> at the moment, when I moved and I thought, oh, okay, like this is a great opportunity, but I was only meant to do one episode on the show. And my dad said to me, he's like, you're great. Like you're moving to America for one episode. Like that's one week. What are you going to do for the remaining 51 weeks of the year? And it was at that moment I thought to myself, I've got to, you know, you just got to take that leap of faith and, and believe in yourself and just try it. Right. And just go for it and see what happens. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like, okay, great. I have to move back to England because I, you know, and be with my family. It wasn't the end of the world. And I think when you're so young, you have no fear. You know, your life isn't settled. So you have no ties. You can just go and do whatever you want. And thankfully not. Thankfully, I had the, the family support to go and do whatever I want. You know, that was really helpful for me. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's very helpful in these types of situations where you go into something that sort of, there's no blueprint. There's no, you, you're, no, no actor story is the same. So it's kind of scary for parents that, you know, are, are just saying, okay, go, you know, it's such a small percentage of people that do succeed in this. Um, so it is scary. But I think when the child has so much belief and so much work ethic and, and um, ambition, it makes it uh, a really harmonious thing for, for both people. Sure. I mean, Cam, you know my mom. I mean, she's like so loving and so protective. Yeah. I mean, Greg, Greg has great parents. So that also must have been a really difficult thing leaving your family because you and your family are very close. So not being in the same house as your parents when you're still a minor and just going on this journey to a place that you've really never been is a very scary thing. So, you know, that must've been really difficult to leave your mom and dad. Yeah. I think it must've been, I think, I don't know how they let me here, honestly, on my own, like LA, it's an amazing place, but it's also, as we know, like there's a kind of dark side to LA. You hear of like LA and Hollywood and it's, a, and it's great and exciting, but there's also, like you said, like a lot of people that don't succeed. And with, uh, with that comes like a lot of actors with a lot of time on their hands. And when you have time on your hands, I mean, anything can happen. You start partying and then the partying doesn't just happen on the weekends. It happens during the week. And it's one just continuous party. And when you're young and you're away from your parents, then, you know, then you can start going, down a path that, I mean, you just don't ideally want to go down. But I think it helped, like, Cam, you and I met, like, pretty early in L.A., like, 
having those friendships really helped me for sure. Like David Henry, still to this day, I mean, can we were with David last week and you can tell like the bond, like which we're still like so close after all these years. I just think it's important that when you do move to LA, you just, uh, you, you pray that you end up in sort of not the right circle, right? Cause you want like, it's not the right circle. You want to end up in like a good circle with like good morals and good values and people who like keep you grounded and down to earth. And, and that does come from parenting and, but also like the company you keep, right. You want your friends to sort of like keep you in check too, because this, this town is, is amazing, but it definitely can give you some, some checks along the way to remind you who you are. I think that's something that Hart and I bring up a lot in this podcast is it's very easy to come here with wide eyes and then fall into the wrong circle. And that can be a very, very scary thing. And then you don't even understand or realize that you're in the wrong circle because you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That- yeah. You think that that's what like people do in LA. So you sort of naturally think, Oh, like, yeah, I'm going to become like that. But it is funny that when out of all the people that I used to sort of hang around with when I first moved to LA, the ones I connected with, I feel are the ones that are like really succeeding and really hardworking today. Like that never left them. Like Sam's a great example of that. Sam Lerner. Like I've known Sam for a long time. Um, and you know, Sam was just always that like, solid honest dude that you'd always see about you always see out and about and then to see him now like on the Goldberg season eight or season season nine like that's so cool to see Sam succeed like that I think the best example of that is Hart in my opinion I mean you know his his story's incredible and to see someone like hard working like that and you've known Hart for a really long time so yeah I mean Hart I feel like you know, there. I've seen clips. Although maybe we can do this on the campfire uh, trip, by the way. But you've got to get out the guitar because, because <laughs> you know, I uh, I've seen clips and I know Hart can uh, can play. Not just a talented actor, but a talented musician. Yeah. But dude, it's a journey, right? I mean, for all of us, yeah. everyone has their own journey. Everybody is trying to work hard, become the most successful that they can be, while at the same time trying to keep hold of who they are. Well, I think there's a lot of people out in, in Los Angeles, too, that sort of have this, uh, I guess, a hole to fill. Um, and they will latch on to people and sort of, for lack of a better term, use them because they 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 want something from you to fill them up. And I think that you can get sucked into a lot of those people. But then when you find people that are out there and they're uh, independent and they're am- ambitious and they're driven – it's a, it's such a relief because they don't need anything from you. It's two people that are just getting better together. And I think that's, that's crucial for succeeding out here. There's a, there's a lot of people that want just distractions all the time. Yeah. I think, um, I think my biggest journey and Cam, you and I have spoken about this before, but I think the biggest lesson that I've learned over the last few years, when you first move to LA, it is competitive. Like it's a very competitive place right there's very there's limited jobs a lot of people but i don't think people really grasp the fact that you're actually more successful or it's easier to become successful if you have like a supportive friend group and you all try to help each other rather than compete you want to try and sort of lean on each other and help each other out because it's a small circle it's a small industry and 
yes, there are limited spaces, but what if you all banded together and created those spaces, created those jobs for yourselves, created those jobs for people that you love and, and the support and you trust um, and you think are great. So I think the lesson, my, my biggest, I guess, journey from LA is that you're actually, it's easier to succeed with a team than easier to su succeed by yourself. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Right? Like, I don't know, what's been the biggest challenge for you? Like both of you. Cam, you go first. I mean, that that's a really, that's actually a really tough question because you know, I grew up here, so I sort of see it from a different lens. Right. Um, I think the two big, I, I think the two biggest challenges for me are one, the pressure of having a successful dad in the industry. Sure. And, you know, walking into a room and who knows if he made a movie with that person or that person didn't like working with him or something happened there. And then like, that's a, that directly affects my performance regardless of if, you know, I'm great or not. So there's all, but you know, there's also the advantage of he's able to open up positive doors for me too, which is incredible. Um, and then the other uh, hardest thing for me has been, probably working really hard and having very successful friends and supporting them and watching them succeed, but succeeding a little bit later in my timeline, I would say, at least for like my own personal success. Yeah. So sometimes that can be a little bit, you know, draining and tough when you want so much to happen and you're pushing hard and you're surrounded by successful people who support you, but like, you know, you have lofty expectations for yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's what's fun about our channel in the sense that like going back to that for a second, you know what I said about like you're more successful as a team. It's also more fun it, for me anyway, succeeding with somebody, right? Like to grow something with somebody, in my opinion, is like much cooler because you can have all the money in the world and you can have all the fame in the world. Um, not that I personally have it, but I, I, I've experienced a little bit. So I sort of can put myself in those shoes. And I also, we all know people that like, that doesn't necessarily make you happy. And I think that sharing that journey with someone starting from scratch, building something, going on that journey, seeing the success, then being able to enjoy the success together. Like to me, I don't know. It's just a, for me, it's more rewarding. So Cam, I think, but also Cam, your mentality has always been a little bit different. You've always sort of like, cause, cause you're a dad, like you've always seen it from like an aerial point of view. Mm. So naturally it's going to come a little bit later because what you're trying to do is, is not just like, you're not looking for like the quick job. You're sort mm. of looking, you're trying to take yourself out of it and being like, okay, well, how do I like set up a life for myself rather than like, how do I just like fill this week with work? Like you're trying to like build I mean, lack of a better word, like an empire, right? Like you're trying to see it from a producer point of view and like an ownership point of view, which is, which does take longer. Development in LA takes so long. Absolutely. I mean, look, going off what you said, you know, doing things with your close friends, like you two are two of my closest friends. And these are two great things that I have with both of you guys. So I'm, you know, this is, this is the prize right here. What's on screen right now. So you know. Oh, what about you? What do you think your biggest, like, was there like one moment specifically that you thought to yourself, like, oof, like I've got to dig myself out of this 
right now? Yeah, I mean, before I got Riverdale, I was um, I was in a pretty uh, rough place. I mean, I was I was like living out of a car, and I was doing Postmates, and I, you know, when you're when you're living in that manner of like, I've got to work tonight so I can eat. Like I have to go do Postmates tonight. And and at that time, I don't know how it is now, but at that time you wouldn't, that, that payout wouldn't happen for like two or three days. So you couldn't do it right then. You'd had to have done it a few days ago if you wanted the money then to eat. So it's kind of this thing that I was, I was sort of stuck in this place of work and you, you don't make that much. Like you, you, it was just enough to survive, honestly, for gas money and for food. And um, the thing that saved me was it, during that time as well, if you, if the people didn't come to their door after like 10 minutes, you got to keep the food. And so there were many nights that I had no money. I had zero money at all. And I was able to eat just because people didn't come get their food. And then I was able to go do another job. And I was also a really picky eater. Um, when you grow up in Arkansas, you don't, you're not exposed to a lot of different types of food. Like there's not really much sushi here or yeah. Brazilian food like there is in Los Angeles. There's all these incredible cuisines that are from all over the world. And so then I was able to start eating things that I'd never had before. So it was really uh, an experience that I, I'm happy I was able to do because now I'll have a certain food and I remember the first time I had it because I was able to eat it from Postmates. And then... Um, the day of the audition, I, I obviously I didn't have a printer because I lived in a car. So I would have to go to the FedEx like print and ship and I would have to print out my sides before every audition. And before the, the river, the, before the Riverdale audition, I had like, I don't remember the exact number. I think I had like, uh, like 75 cents in my account. And I remember the, the price that it cost to print them out was a dollar 13. And so I couldn't print them out. And this was like the morning of the audition or the night before one of the two. And I just couldn't afford it. So I, I, I studied the line so hard that when I went in, I just didn't have any sides and I just had it all memorized. And I think that was the first time I had gone into an audition where it was like six, seven pages and had every bit of it memorized and had no sides on me. Um, and then I booked it and everything was a lot better after that. <laughs> Dude, that's that's a, that's an awesome story. I love that. Yeah. I love to see the success out of it, right? Because yeah. that's it's. I think about even right now with the virus, right? A lot of actors come. A lot of actors come here, and they're absolutely actors just because they're not working. They're still actors, and it's hard. It's hard to land a job. So I think about them a lot in the sense of like if they were relying on their postmates money or their weights, you know, if they're a weights or stuff like that, and now all the restaurants closed, like they, a lot of people, I don't know if they're ever going to be able to come back out because that income has been taken away from them. And then now they've had to go back to wherever they, you know, wherever they were born or wherever their family is. And, uh, and so it's, I think it's set a lot of people back, but hopefully what you just said in the sense of, wow, now is that you, right. You either sink or swim. And so you either like work that extra 10%, 50%, 100% harder, or, or you just don't. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's, 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 it's always up to you. I mean, there's always going to be these circumstances that get thrown at you that no one's prepared for. And obviously right now it's one that's bigger than ever. We're in a pandemic. Right. Um, and it would be interesting. I would, if there was some sort of simulation that I was able to see how I handled right now as a new actor or someone newly moving to LA, how, what, what, what ways I would, you know, how, what I would figure out to do. But, um, I'm happy that I'm not because it's such a chaotic time. Yeah. It's a really tough time. Like I wouldn't have had we like, I met you guys, not cam, but I, well, yeah, no, I did. I met both of you at a, uh, music Boo. festival. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like people, you know, there's no music festivals right now. So even just the social impact of people that are moving there and not able to, you know, meet friends must be so difficult. I think collaborating has definitely has had to, there's been a huge adjustment in collaborating for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, for, for, for Hard Night on this, you know, we've, every single one has been on Zoom. So we really haven't been in person, like actually being able to, do it. It's just our timing is basically like, all right, we're figuring it out over the internet and we're just going to make it work. And it's, it's gone well so far. So, but it's, yeah. it's definitely even, a work in progress. Even talk show hosts. I mean, the fact that, um, I have a, a, a buddy who works on the James Corden show and to see that like he, James Corden is hilarious. Right. But if you take the live, that, that feeling away from somebody, it's, their job is 20 times harder. So I think everybody is adjusting. Obviously my, I, I think often those who don't have opportunities that the, the pandemic has like taken potential opportunities away, but hopefully coming out of it, everybody will be a little bit more creative. I don't know how, where the acting industry is going. Like hopefully it goes back to normal, but then maybe things are changing. Pitches seem to be changing. So I guess we'll see. I think we're all in uh, sort of limbo is to see like what happens here. Yeah. But Greg, worst audition you've ever had. What was it? Dude. It's been a few. <laughs> um, no, real talk. Real, like, actually, this was the moment that, you know, so I walked into this person's office. I was, it was a guest star. For, I can't remember the show, uh, but it was a guest star for, it was a crime show or something. It was like a lawyer show. I can't remember exactly, but I went in. And it was a small little office and the casting director, I just, he wasn't looking at me. <laughs> like literally wasn't looking at me. So I was like, okay, this is weird. And as I'm speaking, I'm not kidding. He's eating, he's eating. He's eating his like, he's eating his lunch. So he like bites on this apple and I'm performing. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, is this a joke? Like, is this like, what do I do? Like I'm trying to get the job. He's the guy in charge of potentially like getting me the job. Do I say that he's being rude or do I just continue my lines, like I was just like, I don't know, I'm new to this. I don't know the protocol. So I didn't say anything. And then I, at the end of the scene, I was like, sorry, like I have to ask, like, were you, like, were you listening? It seemed like you were like eating your lunch. And he just looked at me as if I, I was like crazy and even like sort of challenging him, but I was young, but I thought it was rude. And not going to lie, I didn't get the job. Um, <laughs> But I'm happy that I stood up for myself in that moment in the sense of like, as an actor, it's so hard. It's hard. It's hard work. You put hours of prep into it and then you walk in somewhere and the guy's eating an apple, like not even looking at you. Like to me, that's like disrespectful. Like don't have, literally don't have me in. I prefer you to not invite me in and I'll send, I'll send you a self tape or something. 
So anyway, so that was probably my most memorable in the sense of like least enjoyable. Um, there's a casting director here called Nancy Nea. You guys know you guys know Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first moved to LA, she was my first ever audition in LA. <laughs> she called my manager after and told her to never send me never send me in again to her. I was that bad. I swear on my life. I swear on my life. And now, funny enough, cut to twelve years later, Nancy just cast me in in a project. And she calls my manager often and says, I will never only see somebody once because if you work hard you can actually improve and I think that's what happened in my case but still it is that tale of in LA you can be here today and then in a week you're like the biggest star in the world right like Noah Centineo is a great example of that in the sense of like Noah has worked so hard for so long and has always like I've always seen Noah out and about at auditions and he's worked his ass off. And then people always think like, oh, Noah's like an overnight success. Noah is not an overnight success. It's taken many years for Noah to get there, but you see it as an overnight success, right? So all those memories, so kind of like all those experiences are, they, they shape you. They shape you to leave that audition and be like, oh, I cry. like I don't want that feeling again. I'm useless. Then you work harder and you learn harder and you know, you try different things. Yeah, I think it, it it takes time to recognize that for sure. But I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, man, I'm happy where I am. And if I would have gotten one of these roles that I really wanted when I was younger and felt super confident about and went in and was like, I crushed it. I, I should have booked it. I probably wouldn't have been ready. And it probably would have hurt me in the long run. So I think everything sort of usually plays out the way it's supposed to, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, being a number one on a show is, you know, like Riverdale, for example, all those guys, they work so hard. Like people always think, oh, it's a glamorous show, but like I've been up there, like we've, we've, we've all hung out with all of them. Like those guys, you have a lovely cast though on, on Riverdale. Yeah, I do. We're, we're, yeah, we're dearly, dearly good friends. And in, in, actually, and it's, it's, that's rare to see, I feel like, with a lot of shows. I don't know, Cam, any bad, bad auditions on your end? I mean... Hart and I have sort of gone through this, but your experience just got me thinking again. And like, not even an acting audition. I used to go out for commercials when I first started because everyone was like, the commercial rate is you go out for 70 and you'll book one, right? And you got to go in there and the auditions, there's like 150 people in there and you're going in and they're like, throw a ball or like, dance for five seconds or shout this line out. And you're like, okay. And it's the easiest thing in the world. Right. I remember I went in one time. It was for a Taco Bell commercial. Nice. Um, Did you get to eat no, it? No. So this is, this is the funny part. So I walk up and he goes, pretend you're on a bus and you're eating a burrito. And he gives me a piece. He gives me bread, right? Like thick white bread to, to eat. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay. So like I do it. By the way, I remember him not looking sort of like what you said with your audition. He wasn't really looking at me and I'm, I'm like trying to like laugh and have fun on a bus while eating this like bread. And I keep putting it in the side of my cheek because I'm like, am I supposed to swallow? Does he want me to swallow all this bread? Like I might choke (laughs) on it. There's like a really big ball of bread. So I'm like, I'm starting to look like a chipmunk and I just keep eating this bread and he's not, he's not saying anything to me like spit it out or like eat it. 
So I just remember, like, I just have, like, loaves, like, maybe two or three loaves of just bread, like, in my mouth. I'm, like, starting to sweat, and I was so uncomfortable. And I was, he was like, thank you. And I was like, mm, yeah. <laughs> And I just like ran out and I just like threw it up and I didn't throw up, but like I spit it all out in the trash can. I was like, wow. I remember that was the last commercial audition I ever went in on. I was like, I can't, this is not for me. Yeah. You didn't want that many cops. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wow. But like, think about it. It was, it was supposed to be a burrito from Taco Bell. And it was like, it's just, it, it when, when you really look at it, <laughs> it's glamorous when you see the commercial and you're holding that burrito, but like the process going into that is really not glamorous at all. Yeah. I feel like if you do have to, I think that's the thing, right? Like people want to be an actor, they want to be in Hollywood, but then they've really got to understand that it's not as glamorous as people think. And, and you do really have to, just put your heart and soul into into it because there's going to be rejection. There's going to be more non-glamorous moments than glamorous moments. Um, and, you know, you only see the glamorous at the top, 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 top. But there's years and hours and days of hard work that goes into that. And and moments like spitting out bread in a, in a, in a hallway. That's crazy, man. Part, anything else we need to cover, you think? Um, how do you see the future of acting and the industry and how do you, what do you hope for it? Um, how do I see the, in, how do I see the future? Wow. I think, I mean, look, I've have con I've had conversations with people who are telling me that there's technology being built that actors will be basically replaced with robots, but the audience will not know that they are robots, that yeah. they are basically robot humans. And the audience can then choose the storyline of like what's happening midway. So it's sort of like maybe the future of acting or maybe the future of movies is the fact that you're not watching one movie. You have the capability as an audience member to go and click like option A, person goes to Disneyland, option B, person goes to the Maldives. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Like different storylines. And that's all going to be computerized. So as an actor, I worry because in my eyes, the, 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 the magic of filmmaking is that performance is capturing that moment of that from that actor at that specific time in that specific scene. However, I don't know. At the end of the day, this I look at it from a passion point of view, but I know that there are a lot of people who don't really care too much about the passion side of acting and they care simply from a financial business point of view. So I don't know where it's going. I hope that we just don't get to a level where the raw authentic performances gets taken out of film and TV. But I do think that the main thing that I think is obvious for people to see is the fact that the traditional star and the digital star are no longer just that, right? I think the, the two worlds have definitely collided. I think the digital creators have shown that they absolutely have something to offer in this world. Uh, for example, I loved, I love being on a film set, but also doing YouTube is such a creative experience too. So I think that the more people can create and just have no limitations, that's what I would love to see. And I think that's really cool. I mean, uh, you know, there's a girl called Inanna, I think that's how you pronounce her name, right? She's yeah, a yeah. yeah, she's a friend of mine. 
So she's transitioned really well. Uh, and I know that she takes like acting really seriously. And so there are certain people that I think that if you put enough hard work in and you're talented enough, I really do think you can sort of like mesh those worlds, whether you're a YouTuber and you want to act and this and that. I just think that it's cool right now in the fact that we have so many young CEOs like everybody's their own CEO. Like social media has allowed people to become like an influencer, a beauty influencer, uh, an actor, whatever they want to do, they can do, right? Because it's their platform. Everybody owns their own platform or channel on a massive platform, which is like Instagram or YouTube or stuff like that. So I, I, I think it's cool. I think that what I'm noticing is the power is more shifting to creators rather than um sort of networks, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, look, they're still going to have power. Look at Netflix, right? They're huge. But I think it's, I think the creator, the individual creator has a little bit more power and input now than they've ever had before. So I hope that continues. Touching on Inanna, she'd be a great person for us to have on here because her and I started in acting class like five years ago. Um, and she was always just wanting to create content constantly. And, and cared a lot. It wasn't like, I want to be famous. It was like, I want to make a lot of different content and I want to, I want to act. I want to do a bunch of different things and I want to, I just want to create. And she did do that really well. She blended into that really well. And she was, we, we both studied at Playhouse West and she would, I mean, she was there like three days a week and really always cared and was just uh, someone that was really awesome to be around. And this was, I was, I'd probably been here for six months at this time. Um, and she hadn't been here that long either. Um, from Toronto, she had just moved and it was, uh, it was cool to see her ambition and it was, um, it was infective to me. It was or infectious. It was very, uh, it, it rubbed off on me a lot. Yeah, She's no, great. It's cool. It is cool to see her success, but, but I think, you know, Hannah stocking is another one, you know, we just had Hannah on the yeah. YouTube channel, like to see Hannah doing so well is awesome. Like known Hannah for 10 years and like just that growth of, and batch, like all these people who have put in like hours and, and what it does teach you in the sense of like, we're learning every day. And I'm sure you guys are learning in the sense of like, I'm sure you guys edit this podcast and you, you know, you're taking highlights, you're taking moments of the podcast. Right. So you are, at the end of the day you're producing and so and shaping content and i think that that's why our generation is a very hands-on generation you see a lot of young people being being in charge of their edit you know being being in control of the narrative of their content which i think is fantastic and you're learning so many different skills you're learning beats you're learning timing you're learning editing you're learning lighting like everybody's sort of like trying to create their own business. And I think that's what's so cool about the digital space is the fact that it's allowed people to, to be their own person. That In this industry, there are so many no's and you get rejected so many times where if you can take your career into your own hands and put it on a platform which you can have some control, in my opinion, that's really smart. This is great. We love you. Of course, bro. I love you guys. I, I, I'm literally going to hang up and then I'm probably going to call you guys in like two minutes anyway. So. <laughs> um, all right, boys, okay. stay well. I'm proud of you guys for doing this. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Greg. Yeah.